can, can you pop the webcam up slightly? Because like, we could just we're cutting off the top of your head. Oh, what go. I'll do is I, I will I'll do this instead. I'll I'll sink down. Oh, that looks really uncomfortable though. <laughs> oh, I'm slouching. This is I, I'm John. I've had a, I've been working all day. My shoulders ache. Right. I've been mopping floors. I've what mopped the tiered seating at Neil's. Um, I've hoovered every damn floor. I actually want to slouch now. Slouch. This is the Sheer Isolation Podcast. It's presented by Kieran Moore and John Ponting. Welcome, hello, once again. Another week has passed already. This is the Sheer Isolation uh, Podcast with myself, John Ponting, in Crick Lane, my friend over there, Kieran Moore, in Trowbridge. Howdy, Kieran. Hi, John. For those who aren't uh, too familiar with what we do, over the next half hour, we are going to do our best to promote the local music scene across the region, play a couple of tracks, got uh, an interview lined up, as always. Kieran, I'm handing over to you to explain who the interview man is because I don't know him. So I, this is interesting because I don't actually know the guy. This is completely fresh. This is brand new. This is this is like the first time I'm, I've spoken to him ever. Um, he added me on Facebook like out of the blue. I never accept a friend's book just off, off just on a whim. I just have to look at the person first. I looked at him. He was an account manager, like an, an agent at Live Nation, which who were one of the UK's biggest promoter bookers. His name is Daniel Roberts at Live Nation. Um, He's furloughed at the moment, so that's obviously an interesting aspect because obviously there's no live events. So we'll be asking him some questions about that shortly. But yeah, he's he's completely new to me. He reached out to me via Facebook. I think it's due to the fact of MVT, etc. We're all in these groups. He's obviously seen my profile crop up a few times and he thought, I'll add you. I've, I've seen him and gone, Interesting. You can come on my podcast. <laughs> so that'll be the, the Music Venues Trust, which I know you've mentioned quite a lot, and you're, you're quite an ambassador for, for supporting yeah. MVT, aren't you? No, I am. I do love MVT. They do a great job. Um, hopefully next year they're going to sort out PRS as well. So <laughs> One thing at a time, eh? Get COVID out of the way first, and then we'll start on the PRS issue. <laughs> I prefer to call it PRMS. Well, we'll say that for a whole other time. We, let, let's do a PRS special in a few weeks, shall we? Yeah, we'll get one of them reps on and see what they've yeah. got to say about it. That's an idea. All right, we'll do that. I'll, I'll let you try and sweet talk them into coming on. That'd be a laugh. Yeah. Okay. Right. What I need to do now, though, is bring us down because we've, we're going to do a quick obituary, which is uh, the first uh, yeah. one that we've had to do for, for sheer isolation. Yeah. Sad to report the passing of a Stroud-based uh, uh, musician called uh, Marion Miller. Now, people across Stroud will recognise the name. She used to have a show on Stroud FM. She did a show on Rock Radio UK as well on Stroud FM, she, she had a show called Lady Plays the Blues. Now, Marion, she, she's, I suppose she's really well known for uh, organising the Quarry Gig, which was a, a weekend-long event which took place uh, down Stroud. That was an annual music weekend, which uh, raised money for the Meningitis Trust. She, she just loved all kinds of music. So she was a, a blues guitarist herself, but she also just went for all kinds of blues and rock and just loved music all the way across the spectrum. Uh, I'm not too sure on, on uh, where, how, uh, whether she was ill or whether it's sudden. I don't really know any information. I haven't been able to, to find that out. But uh, we did want to pay our respect to Marion just as a fellow broadcaster uh, and a uh, fellow lover of uh, local music. So, uh, yeah, sad, sad, uh, sad announcement there. What we're going to do is play a track from a band who, who we know that she, she really likes. She booked them to play at Quarry a couple of times. The Gloucester-based band called Folklore. Uh, some real mad fiddling skills in this track. Uh, it's uh, a recording from the Great British Folk Festival from a few years ago, and uh, the track is Mad Fiddler. I spied an old Mad Fiddler up in his hands and clay. He 
made a mint play in the street in the streets of Dundee. Here was the place with us and the friends he learned from his sweetheart in Tyree. you would expect to see some absolutely bombastic fiddling skill on display. Indeed you do, yeah. The, the fiddler, he's uh, the front man for the band, it's Nick Gibbs. Um, so they're, they're based in Gloucester. They do quite a traditional sound, but with a kind of a mixing traditional rock sound quite quite nicely, quite fusing it really well. So yeah, that was uh, Folklore with Mad Fiddler, uh, which was recorded by them at the 2015 Great British Folk Festival, which takes place in Skegness, of all places. <laughs> yes, it's a bizarre one, that isn't it? <laughs> this week's guest is a guy called Daniel Roberts. Daniel is the assistant general manager at Cardiff Motorpoint, as well as being a uh, general manager at Live Nation, the promoters. So uh, we're going to talk to him about how those two different roles play with each other, and well, I'm sure we're going to have lots of interesting stuff to say. Take it away. What what is it that you do? What is it I do? I'm the deputy general manager of the Motorpoint Arena in Cardiff. So I've been there for around, I think coming up for 17, maybe 18 years. That's but I started as a barman back in 2002 and just no worked my way through, you know. 
That's so quite the, impressive. Well, thank you very much. No, that really um, is. Nobody stays at one job for 18 years and works from barman up to general manager. That's amazing. Oh, you'd, be, you'd be even more surprised if you knew me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was lucky enough as well as, as the career progressed because I, I was the catering manager and the front of house manager and all the different managers there are. Yeah. And then um, in the summertime, I would go off and work for the Live Nation on the festivals. So I was commercial manager in or a deputy commercial manager, whatever you want to call it, really. I was somebody's helper, really, right. in download Creamfields, I ran the bars for Creamfields for uh, about four years, I think, something like that. You know, all of the, the wireless festivals, that sort of thing. So my experience has been pretty broad. When, you, when you're actually doing it, you don't really think about it. It's only when people raise it that you... Uh, yes, you, you look know. back on it and you think, crikey, actually, I've done all these actually, different facets. Well, I've always been, you know, I was supposed to be a rock star, so it's about as close as I've got. <laughs> so um, you say you've been working at the Motor Point for 18 years. I mean, that's an, an achievement in itself. Obviously, you must have seen some incredible shows. I've been to the Motor Point millions of times watching shows. Oh, cool. Um, so what's your relationship with, with the artists and the promoters, etc., when they when they come to your venue? What do you do? We're uh, the first contact for the promoters. So the promoters will give us a ring and they will check the diary dates. They'll give us a chat about um, who the artists are, what they want to do. And generally speaking, I mean, depending on who it is, they'll try and get the cheapest possible deal they, they can. Of course. I say depending on who it is. It doesn't really depend on who it is. It's just how no. it is. You always, I know, I, I'm the same. When I work with any, I want to get the cheapest deal possible. So yeah, I of, course get it. You do. of course you do. And I would always make you think you had. Hey, there you go. Hey. <laughs> All of the main promoters will generally give us a ring because the audience in Cardiff is quite specific. Right. Um, as you're doing the touring circuit, it's a bit of an effort to come up from Bristol and in and around again, you know. Yeah. So it has to be the right kind of show to fit the right sort of audience, really. And in Cardiff, it's weird. It's always surprised me a little bit. But things like um, any, any reggae show at all will completely empty Newport and everybody comes down from Newport. Really? And UB40 sells out straight away. Well, obviously, the Welsh acts, they all sell out straight away. It's always the homecoming acts as well. So, But I, I, I tend to deal with a lot of... Um, First-time promoters, you get a lot of people ringing up oh, really? saying things like, oh, I want to put, um, I've got a contact so-and-so and I want to put a boxing match on or I want to put a UFC thing on. And I tend to deal with those type of people a bit more. That's really interesting. So from the, your, so your first contact, that's great. Because yeah. actually, I, I, I've been a promoter for 16 years. Oh, um, nice. and, oh, I've never done a deal with you yet, have I? No, no, you haven't. No, not at all. I'm not that level, mate. I'm not that level. <laughs> um, I'm sort of 500 cap venues. So much I know, don't. We've got, we've got smaller, smaller space as well, you know. You should give me a shout. We've got oh, a 100-seater right. okay. seat, for comedy and stuff like that. And we've got somewhere you could fit about 300 in for folk and comedy. Some, you know. I, I was going to say, what, what's the capacity of the main arena? The main arena, we can fit 7,500 standing. There's various seating capacities. So the biggest seating capacity would be about 5,000. Places like Bristol, Bristol's well known for not having a large size venue. So you get a lot of traffic yeah, yeah. from where we are in Wiltshire and Bristol and Swindon. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's venue for miles around. Absolutely. We'll have, a, we'll have an act maybe that is on the verge of arena tours. So who do we have? Gaslight Anthem. This is a couple of years back now. And they were on the verge of, or the promoter was trying to persuade them to do an arena tour, but they were very nervous about, uh, you know, a half-empty hall and that sort of thing. So what we do is we have the seating matrix is all in bleachers, and they kind of fold up, they concertina up. And we use them as walls so that, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Oh, yeah, Marina. Marina Diamantes played um, last year, it must have been. It didn't sell as many tickets as they'd hoped. And so what we were able to do was bring the hall in so that it looked full at around about 2000 
That is absolutely brilliant. Well, it's, it's, it's as much for the artist as anything else, really. Nobody wants to see an empty hall. Um, but yeah, what we try and do is I reckon we could probably get down to about 1,500 and still make it worth our while. Oh, um, and if, well, you know, if it's, if it's a question of when we say we're worth our while, we're going to get whatever we get from the ticketing, and that's pretty much it, and, and the rental. And obviously we'll charge an extortionate amount for Wi-Fi, which you promoters all like to moan about. But we all know what we're up to. Mate, like, I, I bring a hotspot now. I've got a hotspot that costs me like 30 quid a month. Boom. Well, so- I, we'll, be, we'll be charging a tax on that. <laughs> Whatever, man. We'll charge you for something. <laughs> well, that's really interesting because it brings us nicely onto what the work that MVT have been doing, the Music Venues Trust, yeah. because this whole situation we've seen has really exposed how fragile venues are. Oh, yeah. Like, your work with Live Nation, obviously, yeah. is almost at odds with your work in a venue in the sense that they're a promoter and you're a venue. Um, Not there. Yeah, <laughs> of course. My, I have a real issue. Not an issue, actually. I, I've been building to this thing where I think we need to have a much more honest, transparent conversation about how venues make money, about yeah. the, the proportion they're taking from shows. Because at the moment, artists basically get such a good deal, yep. venues don't. And we're now nope. seeing venues struggling and closing. That should never be the case. It's, it's, been, it's been one of those things, I think, that I've always been quite lucky in terms of working in the venue that I work. So you look around and you see uh, venues like the Welsh Club and you see the Goody Who's a good example. The Goody Who was a fantastic little venue. I love that venue. Absolutely fantastic. But you couldn't fit anybody in there and it was probably illegal mostly. But um, nevertheless, it's venues like that that I personally would prefer to see, you know, the big bands go in and, and just do little shows in, you know. And it's venues like that that are relying on the bar takes because that's where we would make our money. I, I hope nobody from Live Nation is watching this and I'm giving away all the secrets. You know, like you say, I've got no problem with explaining to you uh, backstage why I'm charging you 50 quid for Wi-Fi yeah. and it's got nothing to do with Wi-Fi. Yeah, so well, there you go, yeah. The principle, it's the principle of the matter. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. And I, I mean, I, I see it from, I work in a venue and I'm also a promoter. I do see it from both sides. Yeah. Um, and I think it always boils to me, boils down to the fact that artists are, take the lion's share of everything and even, even like the support bands getting paid like 50 quid on an arena show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's like come on guys yeah, know, it doesn't have to be like this no it, i don't think it does i would say at the moment there is a huge division between the artist there's there's barriers the promoter is the barrier if you see what i mean between yeah. the artist and the venue yeah and the aim of the promoter i think a lot of the time is to prevent the venue getting too close to the artist or the artist getting too close to the venue, because otherwise there wouldn't be much point in having a promoter. No, cut out the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's essentially what it is, because there are, when you get comedy acts in, for, for example, so someone like Rod Gilbert will come in, and uh, you can sit down and have a chat with him, Michael McIntyre, because it's just him. And, and he will go and say hello to everyone in the bar. Ricky Gervais will go and say hello to people and, and all that sort of thing. But the bands, there's this whole kind of thing of, wow, look, we're backstage and we can smoke and we can do whatever we want and of course you can't (laughs) you cannot but the the point being it's kind of this weird kind of cocoon that they're in uh which is 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 really odd if you think about it yeah well that's it the whole industry fundamentally is unregulated isn't it it pretty much can do what you like as long as you're willing to do it and that's what the conversation is all about i think it's summed up you you know you can usually get out of most uh, situations by just saying it's rock and roll isn't it That's the quote there, John. <laughs> True, though, isn't it? All that copyrighted. Anyway, so change the subject slightly. Um, you said you told me you're furloughed. So yeah. how is that impacting on, I mean, obviously your life, but fundamentally 
how you see the industry? How, how's that affecting it? What's been happening with me, uh, the furlough thing has been relatively helpful, as, as stupid as it sounds, no, because it's given, me an, it's given me an opportunity to start budgeting and acting sensibly and to start living within my means, if you know what I mean. Because when I was working in the festivals, there was big chunks of money coming in the summer and I just spend it and blah, blah, blah. But no, the furlough for me is giving me a chance. I, I mean, Christ, I'm 45 now, 46 next month. And I'm finally starting to look at my bank statements. You said earlier that you could you can still make your venue work for you on, say, a 1500 capacity. Easy. But your maximum is like 7000. Yeah. Is there a way of you having a 1500 capacity on social distancing? So could you, in theory, still run events? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what you'd be looking at in terms of, I mean, again, I'm saying this unqualified. This is my own opinion, not the opinion of Live Nation. But yeah, yeah, when you're looking at um, a capacity for a venue, you're looking at a certain amount of space around each person. The difficulty would be in preventing, in, in maintaining that space. Yeah. And short of putting people with big hoops around them. Yeah. I don't know, man. Awesome. Bumper cars. You mentioned earlier on about how, um, how your, the Motor Point venue's got different rooms, so you can do smaller comedy acts yeah, yeah. 100 capacity. Something that myself yeah. and Kieran have talked about a couple of times is how we're seeing that uh, the live music scene is starting at the grassroots, starting in the pubs, and we think it's just going to be a stepped event that, that gradually more yeah. larger venues are going to come online. Would that fit with what you're thinking? Maybe Motor Point it would, open the It would 100% fit with what I'm thinking as a venue manager. Whether or not it's a coincidence or anything, we're associated with all the academy venues as well, the O2 academies. So most of the, the bigger ones, Birmingham's got an Academy 1, an Academy 2, an Academy 3. Now, you could take a cynical point of view and say, well, that's just so they can make more money off the bar because the bar is, you know, it generates a, enough money to keep us all in business. And that's why, you know, we're in this situation now because that money's gone. That's the income for the company. But if you take it from the point of view of venue managers, and that's exactly what it is. It's a step up type thing. So you can start people at the grassroots. So, for example, in our comedy venue, one person that comes there quite a lot, we had Jack Whitehall in the main hall, and he was supported by Lloyd Griffith, who's from Newport, I believe. And then he came through his agency, and he filled out the 100-seater venue. Do you see what I mean? So it kind of flips and back. And what we can do, because it's a really nice kind of bar that we've got there, so we can, we can cover our costs with the, the bar, and all, all our costs are really our security and uh, barman. And and you can get you can get small bands in there, but it's it's not a brilliant. But you know, if you're if you're a, if you're a teenage band and you can say that you've played at the arena, then you know that's yeah. what they want, isn't it? Building it up bit by bit. I love that. We've got so much space; it's frustrating that we can't you know use it. Even when we're open and running, there are certain spaces where you just like, my God, you can get three thousand people in here. Wow. Um, but we've got to go through the fire officer, and so sometimes it'd be nice. Uh, just to shake off the Live Nation shackles and just go and have a warehouse rave somewhere, you know? <laughs> like the old days. But, uh, I know on Kieran's email he did say about uh, if you wanted to pick a, a track for us to play. No, yes, yes, like yes. That. And you said about West Country. So, um, the, not West Country as such, but um, I would like to hear Devil Woman by Goldie Looking Chain. Yeah. There's not too much swearing. We can swearing, accept that. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely do GLC. People always tell me I should act my age Put down my books, now I found a page We could go on dates The devil rides out when I see her face I know there's no doubt Knows all about loving, don't know who's order Sixes on the head to the devil of daughter My fallen angel, I'm a number one fan Deeply in love with a devil woman On the weekends I go up my aunties She's got wireless and I can live my fantasies A perfect woman to keep my demons at bay I'd love to take her on a summer holiday My dream girl dressed in red or blue I want to tell her I'm a young one too this worldwide 
Weather deceit She's not looking for love But I can feel the heat She's just a devil woman With evil on her mind Beware the devil woman She's gonna get you The devil may cry for all I can't do Ain't stopping the booing Cause of a woman I'm viewing I'm put through hell But oh well She doesn't even know That I'm under a spell You can tell by her eyes You can tell when she shouts You can tell by her threats You can tell through her pouts She's the devil woman Evil to the core We didn't need a bed We didn't need a floor No time to think Stop a pause, I blink, she's mint and I'm in a clause What's more seashores, won't stop me Unless a broadband hits a technicality I don't see my friends but I don't care A 12-inch green began this love affair I saw my soul on the internet The devil woman, she won't forget She's just the devil woman With evil on her mind Beware the devil woman She's gonna get you This bird, I think I got her in my sights Spent quality time with her the last few nights She got a red, she got me under a spell My desktop reminds me of the gates of hell Don't know her name, don't know her nationality She got the hallmarks of an evil entity I call her Miss Lucifer, it's just a nickname I'm back in the game, and she's not an old flame Is she really Satan? I know she's bad She don't answer back, I got the girls are bad I sometimes see her, it's giving bits of leather But I know that me and her can never get together Don't care if she's related to Beelzebub I don't have to take away my mates to the pub We got history, I know where we've been She's devil woman on my computer screen She's just a devil woman With evil on her mind Beware the devil woman She's gonna get you She's just a devil woman Late. One night on a social networking internet site She seemed a bit nuts, but kinda nice I think we only did it once or twice Then I got odd calls and weird emails Next thing I know, she's moved to Wales You must be careful with the internet Now she's outside my house and she's really upset There's a devil woman chasing me over the internet Not physically, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide When she sees me logged on, she wants to be my bride Didn't know she was a woman possessed She won't leave me alone, I can't get no rest I tried to avoid her, stopped answering her calls And when she catches up with me, she's gonna have my balls She's just a devil woman with evil on her mind Beware the devil woman, she's gonna get you She's just a devil woman with evil on her mind Beware the devil woman, she's gonna get you Isn't it nice to hear a bit of GLC on the radio? <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. It does not happen. I love hearing a bit of GLC on the radio. <laughs> okay, there's been a couple of bits of news this week, and uh, as ever, I would like to run your professional thinking mind around them. Let's start with COVID and the latest COVID announcements. Now, in terms of how the most recent changes are going to affect venues, I'm guessing it's this new 10 p.m. curfew. Now, on your over your shoulder, you've got um, the, the John Gom gig which is supposed to be coming up in 10th of December I'm assuming it is still going ahead as as planned but what's going to happen with this strict 10 p.m cutoff if it's still there by December? Well that's an interesting one because they've announced that it's going to be there until March haven't they they said it's going to be six months so in theory this curfew now exists until March 
So from, from our venue's point of view, from the, the Neild in Chippenham, um, we haven't actually done any work yet with regards to those events. But the reality of it is, if those events do go ahead in one form or another, it doesn't matter, we're going to have to bring our event times forwards. So whereas normally it'd be like doors at seven, show at half past or whatever, it's going to have to be doors at six and show at half past six or whatever. So there's definitely going to have to be a shifting of event times. Now, I did a funny comment update earlier on my Facebook page saying, has anybody's notifications gone crazy with XYZ band um, changing the time of their event? Because I've had, I've been inundated, all the events that I'm attending on Facebook, all the events have been brought forward all the times. Will this have any effect whatsoever on COVID? Absolutely not, because people are still going to go out. They're just going to go home earlier. Make of that what you will. But the events will still happen. I think they're just going to happen earlier. And that is your scientific opinion on 27 bars an hour early. Yeah. Well, not, nothing official. <laughs> yeah, no. In regards to the John Gong gig, so I haven't spoken to the venue yet. But to be honest, they brought it earlier. That's fine. We'll finish at 10. It's not, it's not a problem. I don't know what time it was scheduled to finish, actually, but I have a feeling it wasn't that much later than 10, actually, anyway. But that's merely coincidence. I have a feeling it was a 10 o'clock finish. But, hey, we finish at 10, fine. Quite a lot of venues do have a 10 p.m. curfew just because of where they're based, particularly those in inner cities. But as I understand it, this 10 p.m. is the strict doors must close at 10. It's not it's not last orders. It is the absolute last person out the door by 10. So um, yeah. I don't know whether some venues will struggle with that. Um, management, I guess, at the end of the day, how you manage it. Um, I'm sure venues can do it. It will, again, have impl- implied costs because... Um, you've got to staff things earlier, but I'm sure, and, and you need, this is the thing is you need to have so many more staff now to make these things work, but you know, the social distancing, etc. And whilst you're not there to police people's bubbles, you still have to be able to say to people, this is where you sit, sit there all night, behave like people taking you to your table, that sort of thing. You know what? Venues are full of people that make things happen. So without a shadow of a doubt, when, whatever the harebrained scheme the government come up with next People in venues always make it happen. So it will definitely happen. It'll, you know, doors will open, they'll shut on time, people out, it'll all happen. Yeah, that does remind me of a post I saw on Facebook of those things that get shared a million times. And it, it was an idea that we need to hand control of, of the country over to festival organisers because if they can make 200,000 capacity festival work with a couple of golf carts and some walkie-talkies and a bit of gaffer tape, they, they can fix the country. Simple. We could do that, can we? Can we? We've been there. 100% John we've been there I'm telling you now the events industry uh, is full of people that make stuff happen they're the sorts of people that don't they're, they're not the sorts of people who have a problem to every solution they're the sort of people that have the solution to every problem they get things over the line they make it happen so yeah I, I agree with that meme entirely it's 100% truthful and the more festival organizers we have running our day-to-day lives the better have you got any news you wanted to cover today well, have you been following the beef that's existing online with idols? So talk about putting your foot in your mouth. They, re- they did an interview with The Guardian where they effectively said that they can't afford to take women on tour with them. So they'd offered, they, they've all, always been about platforming and equal rights and all that stuff. And they said, that they, they publicly said they couldn't afford Nadine Shah. Now, Nadine then went on to Twitter to then say, that's not how it played out, guys. It was, it was totally different to how you described it. And they're friends, but they're having this kind of very honest, robust debate on Twitter. Obviously, the fans have piled in. 
So Fat White Families then responded to Joe Talbot from Idols. His, so Fat White Families then responded with their own rundown of how they feel about Idols, who then also responded via the paper, who then also responded via the paper. It's really entertaining, really interesting. If you're a fan of Idols and a fan of Fat Whites, hearing the two different opinions is really interesting. We've just got to say our usual bits, that if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, email is the best way, shiaisolation at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back with you at the usual time next week. I say uh, usual I'm... time because I don't know when you're listening to us because um, you can listen to us whenever you like on various streaming services and on YouTube. Yeah, we have, we'll have a guest next week. I'm, hope, I'm hoping the guest will be Rhiannon Mayer, Maya, Rhiannon, who's, who was meant to be our guest two weeks ago, couldn't do it, got postponed. So next week's guest is going to be Rhiannon, and we're going to be talking about being a producer and all the wonderful things she does. It's nice that we're so popular, isn't it? We've got guests lining up to speak to us, isn't that We lovely? have, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> right, it's... I know you've got another birthday party to get to, so I will leave I... you, Lee. It's been a pleasure, mate. Nice to have a chat to you. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you very soon. See you next week, bud. Take care. Right, take it easy. Bye. I know.